Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. Today I'm sharing with you an old interview back from March um, with someone who's been mentioned on the show so many times. Her name is Ekaterina and she's also known as Lash Royals on Instagram. You guys have heard me talk about her because I've taken her class and she's amazing. She's also a fellow salon owner, so we have a lot to talk about in this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, here's episode 48. All right, Ekat, well, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on finally. Yeah, I'm so excited too. It's been, uh, we couldn't uh, get together for a while. I know. But uh, finally, yes. <laughs> Yay. Okay, cool. So um, I always start every episode just by the guests introducing themselves, kind of talking about how they came up into the industry. So do you want to talk a little bit about why you got into uh, lashes? Yes, of course. I'm afraid it's going to be a little long, but because uh, I have a long story coming to that. Uh, my name is Ekaterina uh, Ulyanov. I'm uh, the lash artist, the owner of uh, brand Lash Royals, also uh, educator, judge, and um, yes, so I'm just a happy girl. So um, to start talking about how I got into the lash industry. So first of all, I'm located in Montreal, Canada. Um, I'm Russian by, uh, my background is Russian. And I came to Canada in 2005, 2006, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my story could be a little boring probably because um, I find lash, uh, lashing is, it's a lash art. It can sound tacky because how we write about it, lashes art, but I find lashes art. And I've been always artistic since I was a little girl. So uh, um, in Russia, like a lot of Russian kids, I guess, uh, we I did ballroom dancing and did um, uh, uh, piano. I went to a music school. I drew also all my life. So I guess uh, lashes, they were kind of... Um, the natural evolution, I think, for me. Um, I'm originally a makeup artist. And um, when lash industry started in North America, um, I jumped on it right away because I was always um, intrigued by beautiful eyes. And, um, you know, when you talk on the phone with somebody and you start like doing doodles and stuff, you know, when you draw things, mm-hmm. I always draw eyes for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. So, uh, after becoming a makeup artist, shortly after I took a lash class here in Montreal, uh, it was just the basic classic lashes. It was about 10, 11 years ago. So just when it started uh, in North America, then I went back to Russia. I took another lash training because I used to go to Russia a little bit more often than now. Uh, then after that, volume lashes started. I took another training with... Um, uh, Nadia in New York, she owns a company called iDesign. Mm-hmm. It's actually um, one of the probably only lash business people that I really admire, actually, because she works really hard and uh, she's pretty humble also about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the a woman uh, from Moscow, Irina Levchuk, she's the owner of the company Lash & Brow. Uh, she's actually the one that started the whole concept of volume lashing. Um, she came to Toronto, to Canada, and uh, I took another training with her. And that's when I started training myself also. Mm. Um, and um, I liked 
doing people's lashes from day one. Obviously, it was very exotic at that time, 10, 11 years ago. Mm. Uh, people were very intrigued about lashes. And uh, I can also say that I think about 10 years ago was a, a little, it c- probably was a little easier to find clients for lashes as well. Mm-hmm. Because it was a new industry and uh, not a lot of, it wasn't so saturated in the whole lash world. So uh, people, uh, women were very intrigued by it. And uh, I think it was a good time for me to start it. So I was doing makeup at the same time too. And uh, it just came together. And um, yes, and that's how it all started, I guess. Wow. The rest of the history, yes. Yeah. So, um, you now have your own salon. Yes. How's I, that going? It's going really well. I'm actually very happy. Well, well everything came naturally, I guess. Obviously, it was a hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can talk about it forever, too. Um, every time you know you, you advance in your career, you obviously make a step up. So for me... How I started doing lash, I didn't open a salon right away. You know, it would be impossible. And um, being an immigrant in Canada, also, um, how, like I should probably talk a little how I came to that too. Um, it was uh, it was not easy. Obviously, I'm all for people working hard. First of all, uh, yes, it's very important. A very popular topic right now: work smarter, not harder. It's very popular in the past few years, but. I'm actually all for working hard. Um, lately, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks by um, uh, motivational speakers, mm-hmm. uh, such as, um, what is his name? Uh, Tony Robbins, I've been listening a lot, Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. And lately, I've been obsessed actually with another woman. Uh, she's a CEO of Facebook. Uh, her name is uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, very powerful woman, and they're all working so hard, you know. They, they never talk about working smarter, not harder. You got to work hard to achieve things and to step up in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that um, in the past few years, a lot of uh, girls that started doing lashes, um, you know, coming from a different career or something, um, a lot of people think that it's so easy to do lashes and then they think they're just going to start doing lashes and everything is going to come. And, you know, as long as you have money, kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it helps. But without hard work, nothing is going to come. You have to... I'll tell you something. When I just started doing lashes, um, what was it, 10, 11 years ago, um, I was going to the university at the same time as well. And my days actually started at 3.30 a.m. And something that people don't really believe, I swear to God, I used to wake up at 3.30 a.m. Oh, my God. uh, Yes. I don't know how I did it, actually. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. But I was younger also, you know? Instead of people, like, partying and uh, sleeping two hours and just, like, go party again, for me, I didn't really have that partying mode at all. I, anyways, I was always, like, a quieter kind of person, too. More like an introvert, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about it after, too. Um, so I would wake up at 3.30 a.m. Then I would need time to get ready. Um, I mean... Being also Russian, obviously, I would need to do my makeup, you know, do my hair, and then uh, make breakfast for myself. I wouldn't wake up anybody in the house. I would walk on the tiptoes. And then at six in the morning, I would have to start. I I was working in the bank. 
So I was working in a call center that for um, RBC, for a Canadian bank, uh, but I was listening to quality control calls. I was doing that. And I was working then from 6 to 12 p.m., from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. Then I would finish, quickly eat something, and run to the university. I was doing HR at the time. Well, I mean, simply because I had to go to university. So, <laughs> anyways, and then I wasn't doing a school full-time because of lack of time, obviously. I would take a couple of classes that day, one or two classes. Then I would or go do lash clients. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, even for free, I was doing lash clients. Or I would do some makeup work or even do free makeup work for photo shoots just for the exchange of photos. And then in the evening, I would just have a couple of hours to you know, to spend for myself. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, because I would wake up next day at 3.30 again, I'd go to sleep early. So, and I did it for straight two years. I didn't drive at that time too. So I had to take metro and buses. So it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy at all. Mm-hmm. So nothing comes easy, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything at this point. So, and I tried to take as many clients as I could. There was also a time in my life when I was taking so many clients that I would start taking class at 7 a.m. Once I made an exception for a 7 a.m. client, and then because you know there was no spot available for her, and then it was an exception, and then her friend said, Oh, I heard that she did the lashes before going to work. I want to come too. I can't do any other time. <sighs> and me being like a softy, you know, like sure. So and then automatically 7 a.m. schedule became, you know, out of normal for me also. So there's a lot of work. There's a lot of non-sleeping moments for me too. But that's how I actually build my clientele <laughs> because I couldn't say no to everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, it's not the case of work smarter, not harder. Right. Um, the opposite, I guess. But you know what? It actually... The, why I have a salon today is one of the reasons is because what happened to me in the past with yeah. such a crazy schedule and trying... Like, I didn't have, for example, like a rich mom or a rich papa or a rich boyfriend or husband, you know, that could invest in me, for example, at that time. So I had to pay my bills too. So I couldn't just, you know, do lashes and that's it. I had to... And I was a newcomer to Canada also. You, ha- I also had to learn English and French at the same time because in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada, it's two languages. And actually, French is the main language even though I don't really use it these days, but at least I understand. So there was a lot of pressure, but I find it's the only way to, to get out there. You know, if you don't have, like, let's be honest, if you don't have that financial capital to start with, you know? Yeah. So you got to work hard. You have to find your clients. Sometimes I would give them discounts. I would do it for free. To, in the beginning, I was doing it obviously mm-hmm. um, and now I have a salon I have um, I'm very grateful I still come to work every morning like at 6 30 in the morning probably because the days here start at nine yeah but I guess like you, you can't change me at this point now mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know I I always have things to do here the girls usually come around around nine o'clock 10 o'clock 11 and um I don't know. I love this. And I have bigger plans for the salon. I want to make it like a franchise more, you know, open at different locations as well. I have big plans, definitely. And um, we don't only do lashes here. We obviously do makeup here as well because I'm a makeup 
artist originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, really good nail artists here. There's also a girl that does uh, microblading and micro shading. So it's definitely uh, a few services in one, but it works because most of our lash clients, so we're three people doing lashes. I still do lashes too because I love doing lashes. Mm-hmm. And also I find being a trainer nowadays, mm-hmm. you have to practice your craft too. You can't just stop doing lashes and you know just train people. You have how else are you gonna come up with new things, you know? Right. How, with new tricks, new products, maybe new techniques. If you don't practice, it's not gonna come. At one point you're just gonna come to that point where there's nothing after, you know? Mm-hmm. And your information will be outdated. And how are you gonna get new information being a trainer? if you don't practice it, you know? Anyways, that being said, uh, all our lash clients, um, which it's always fully booked here, they they ended up doing other services here. So this is why other services in the salon work really good. Nice. They, they do lashes, then they come they go do um, nails, or they can do, we also have spray tans to We do henna brows as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So it all works. I'm very happy to have this studio. Um, Yes. So I'm going to have a couple of challenges soon because uh, I'm uh, pregnant right now and I'm going to have a girl. Oh, you didn't know? Yes. No, I didn't know. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, six months pregnant now and, uh, well, I'm 24 weeks and a half. Oh my God. And, uh, yeah, she's coming on July 1st. <laughs> and, um, and me being, you know, in that crazy moment, for like so many years right now, I'm everybody's like, oh my god, you know what are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm gonna go on maternity leave probably for two months. I feel like I feel great first of all. I didn't have any like you know symptoms or anything. I feel like I'm gonna go deliver like right after a client or something. I don't know. That being said, you know it's gonna be a challenge still, but um, I'll manage it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so exciting. That's so. Yeah. Cool. Thank uh, you. So what? When you opened your salon, um, I mean, I've done it and I know like it's not just like a simple task. Um, There's so many different things involved, but um, what would you say are some of the biggest struggles that you faced whenever you were opening? Okay. The biggest struggles. Well, obviously in the beginning when you open, it's definitely finding employees, right? Uh, First of all, it's never easy to have employees. So um, the concept that I actually set up here for uh, paid-wise for um, for girls that work here, it's uh, being self-employed. They work on commission. So it's not an hourly rate for them. So I also find... Anyways, everybody's different, right? In every concept. In my... You know, say here in Montreal, in definitely what works here in the artistic industry... Um, Working on commissions, well, first of all, it's better for you as a boss, right? So because it, uh, their pay depends on on the, the clients they do. Therefore, they don't really relax, you know? So they, they're not going to be like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. I'm being paid that amount of dollars an hour, you know? I don't I'm not going to have clients tomorrow. Who cares kind of thing? I'm still being paid. So when a, when a person, because that's how I work all this time because I used to work in another salon too before and uh, self-employed uh, working on commissions so you're more motivated when um, when uh, definitely 
you work on commissions. But still to find the challenges when you open a studio is to find those people and to find clients for them, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're not being paid per hour. Right. So, well, obviously it was last they would use my products here so they they won't need they wouldn't need to worry about anything on my side I do everything to promote them on the social media and talk to my clients so they can refer people I created also cards for new clients that would come in for a full set of lashes um, well those cards I call them share the love so it means that if my client is going to recommend um, you know, the service to another client, another friend, if she comes in for first time full set with that card, she will get, well, actually it's a big percentage off, 20% off, uh, 20% off the service. And that client gets her next service, her next refill 20% off too, but it's only one time, you know? Right. So, but this way you get a client that's going to keep coming all the time because obviously she would like the service here because I am also responsible for the quality of people of work, mm-hmm. um, you know, for uh, girls that work here. So, but there was definitely a challenge to find people. Um, y- there's always something in your head. Well, you know how it goes. There's all your head is always busy with those things. On the top of being, for example, an artist that already is busy with clients, you also have to manage the studio. You have to buy this, that, that, that to have... If you don't have a a manager yet, Mm -hmm. um, you need to buy like even like little things like disposables. Like even like uh, you run out of toilet paper and you've been busy. You don't really, you know, being a new owner of a salon, you don't really think about these things. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, Mm -hmm. have a toilet paper we had those moments too when a client uh, comes out of the bathroom she's like uh you have a toilet paper (laughs) so things like that that's a challenge for sure and um of course spending the money in the beginning it's better to have uh, starting capital amount of money um because i i don't know how is it in u.s for example uh here i have you have to, when you open a business, a physical location, you have to leave a deposit as well, a worth of uh, three, four months rent, mm-hmm. which is not easy. It's like you're throwing the money into nowhere that is going to be given back to you at yep. the end of like four years or something. Same, for example, we have that uh, the electricity at Hydro-Quebec. I had to pay another $2,000 as, as a deposit for the new registered business, physical location kind of thing. So there was a lot of those things that I didn't know about. Yeah. And it kind of just shocked me. So it was a little bit, um, when I opened it, I was a little bit um, scared when all those bills came in. But um, I mean, my landlord, for example, of that place, he was nice enough to give me a breakdown of um, that rent deposit. Mm-hmm. So I could break it um, in a few months. Three, three, four months, I think we did. So it was fine. But that's definitely, it's probably, cha- well, it's a challenge for every business owner that hires people in the beginning. It's finding clients, obviously. Right. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know how it goes. And mm-hmm. um, it's, I think a lot of people underestimate just how hard it is going to be and how many things you have to think about every single day. It's crazy. Exactly. And you know what? Another one thing that, I mean, I know I can't avoid it. It's going to happen. No matter how good of a boss you are, um, you, you it, those things always happen. When people leave, 
people come, people go. You can't keep them really. Mm -hmm. uh, some people, I mean, I already had one situation like that, but we learned our lesson. Yeah. Um, and we kind of became a stronger team too. There was a girl that joined us, uh, not in a lash service, another service. And uh, she came with zero clients here. And uh, three months after, so we built, we worked really hard to build a clientele for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, three months later, uh, she changed her attitude fully, like became very cool all of a sudden. And uh, long story short, she quit. And uh, to work at home, and she contacted most of the clients to come to her house. So all those clients that were built for her, that didn't even know about her, she decided to steal them. So, oh my gosh! My mistake was that I didn't write any contract with her. Mm -hmm. But for any girls out there that are want to open their studios, their salons. Please do this right away. It's better to be more official in the beginning. Maybe even you will look colder, you know, and uh, too official, like I said, but those uh, things will never happen to you. So the advice that I would give um, to write a contract, let's say, well, let's say if it's a lash, lash artist, mm -hmm. you can always write a contract for... Especially if you train, if you also educate people, you can always do the contract of like a year at least. Well, better to have two years. You know that, um, first of all, they if they leave, uh, first of all, you're responsible for um, educating them or giving them the training and they don't have to pay for it, for example. But if they decide to leave in that year or two, they will need to pay full price for the training kind of thing. You right. know? And uh, the other thing is that that we do here in uh, Montreal also is that if you leave, you, uh, you know, you, you cannot open uh, the same type of business uh, in the diameter of, um, I don't know, that many feet or something, you know, right. mm -hmm. five streets, uh, all sides or 10 streets, something like that. So that kind of secures you more. Look, I've got my lesson, but it was my new business. So I'm sure it's not the last time those things happen, no matter how big your salon is, no matter how big your company is in general, those situations happen, but you just have to be ready for it. And, you know, you grow stronger after. So, Absolutely. Yeah. so I want to talk a little bit about your training too. Um, I talk about your class pretty often actually in like episodes, like, um, cause I, I loved it. You, you have a approach where you're not only talking about, um, the artistry behind everything, you talk about the science behind everything too. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your classes and, um, just kind of in your own words, what a student can expect to leave with? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mostly specialize in mega volume right now. Um, I don't think I will be teaching like classic lashes in the near future. I will actually have one of my girls that will start teaching soon. It's more interesting for me to, uh, as an artist, because I'm artist deep inside, uh, to teach the, the higher levels, the more advanced levels of lash artistry, which is nowadays it's mega volume. Obviously, it's on the rise in the past two years. Mm -hmm. So, um, for the classes, um, I definitely, look, I, what I can say, I've been meaning to say that. In North America, we have 
quite a few mega volume trainers right now mm-hmm. in the past year, especially. But the thing is that we're all different. Still, we can teach kind of the same thing, but you know, the, the, the technical part of it or something. But even then, all of us, each of us has a different expertise and different experience as well and different look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can always uh, put myself, you know, separate myself from some other trainers, for example, in a way because I've been in the beauty industry in general for a very long time. And it's just like I draw also since I was little. I have this in me. So my training would be somehow a little different than from a trainer that uh, gives a mega volume class, for example, but talks a lot about business part of it, for example. Um, I don't do the business part. I'm concentrating more on technical, like you said, science behind it because logical things. And um, uh, yes, uh, the training, the mega volume training is uh, two full day trainings. Uh, the first day we devote to theory and practice uh, of uh, fans, uh, lash fans. And actually, you know, whatever I taught last year, uh, because I still practice my craft, I come up with new things. Well, like it's it's natural, you know. Mm-hmm. So whatever I, I will teach, for example, this year in the same mega volume training, it would have additional things to show, you know, that mm-hmm. I wasn't showing before. It always advances. Anyways, and then the second training would devote fully to a model. We take our time, and um, the the students can. I mean, some students, potential students, they text me and they say, "I really want to take the training, but I've seen the work of your students, and I'm scared. I'm not going to be able to do that." So <laughs> they're scared because they they don't believe in themselves. But there's always a way to show that technique and uh, to. Everybody can do it. it this yeah. is why we train. That's why it costs money also. Yes, it may be a little bit more expensive for other, some individuals than others, but we, we put our heart in it. We're responsible for you to leave the training and to be able to achieve that look. So um, if, you, if you can't make that fun, I will show a different way for you to make it. You can always adjust it like, you know, I show the slow roll technique, but if a person cannot do it, she, she's used to take the bunch of lashes, put it on the side and wiggle it. We can always adjust that particular technique to that this method so the student can be comfortable with that. You don't need to change your full uh, concept of working just to achieve that look. So it's a very flexible training. And... Um, I'm more into even like more private trainings right now because there is more attention devoted to students. And uh, even in my in my future group trainings, I'm not going to take uh, 10 people anymore, 10 or 12 people. I'm going to make uh, smaller groups because mm-hmm. it's more uh, personalized also. Yeah. Love that. Um, so I have to ask... Um, your favorite failure? So just a time when you thought that you had failed and then realized later that it actually wasn't a failure. Yes. Actually, I think about it very often. Uh, I haven't had many failures in life because uh, I'm also the type of person I think a lot before doing things. Uh, In general, like uh, even when, for example, I go shopping, Mm -hmm. um, I would go three times to the same store (laughs) for like two weeks and then I will buy it, for example. So it's just a type of people. But so, but there's one uh, failure that 
I always remember about. It's a long story again, if you don't mind. Uh, it's when I came to Canada. Um, I always wanted to be... Um, well, it's not a failure coming to Canada. I'm just trying to say that. I always wanted to be a, an um, interior designer since I was little. Again, because I drew all the time. You know, I was always that artistic type of person. So... And um, shortly after coming here, uh, well, I was like 20 years old. Um, a couple, it took me two weeks to um, do the documents, the Medicare cards. I was here with my mom, and um, I. Um, so we decided, what am I going to do? I'm 20 years old. I need to go somewhere to school, not to waste time. But obviously, I have to learn languages at the same time too. I did have some English. Sorry. Um, um, and uh, so I went to the college. Um, there's a Dawson College here that had, um, I could get a degree of uh, interior designer. And uh, that was two weeks after I arrived to Canada. So we go there. I have huge eyes. I'm like shocked. I'm seeing all those people. I can't even say hello because I had that um, cultural shock as well. Mm-hmm. And we go to get information, uh, you know, to get in for September for the new academic year. And then the person at the information desk tell me, yes, definitely can uh, apply, but uh, today is the last day to apply. So we're like, whoa, okay. It was in February or something. And uh, so we paid the application fee, uh, what was it, $150, and then got all the papers. I come home and then, you know, I started putting the package together. And then one of the main parts of the application was submit a portfolio of six works and it's the last day. So, and I have nothing. I didn't bring anything, no drawings, no nothing. I mean, I took clothes with me and like my necessary stuff when I came to Canada. So I didn't take my drawings with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm all shocked. I have to come up with six drawings and, uh, and you know, you cannot force artists to do things. So mm-hmm. you cannot push. The artists cannot work under pressure. So, and I had to draw all of it. And it was already afternoon. So I don't have much time to do that. So I start drawing faces, things like that. I'm starting to get nervous, stress. So, and then I did two. Obviously, I had to do the quality of work too. And then it's 11 p.m. and I still have to to do four of them. And I have to uh, submit them next morning to go there and submit them. And I have no inspiration whatsoever. And uh, for the interior design, obviously, I had to draw some, you know, design of the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I don't know what to do. My mom threw the IKEA catalog at me. She's like, just like draw something for the catalog. So I start drawing because obviously they need to see if I can draw in perspective. So the, you know, the angles and everything, the mm-hmm. three dimension. So long story short, it was 3 a.m. I only did four out of six. I like died at my table. I fell asleep. Next morning, my mom wakes me up. All my fingers are like black from the pencil. I'm messy mess. Uh, the portfolio is not finished. She wakes me up. She's like, are you done? I'm like, no. And I start crying. And I go, no, I can't do that. And I don't even speak English. What am I going to do? Anyways, long story short, we're like, screw it. Not now. And I cried the whole day. Um, obviously, I didn't apply for that degree for the interior design. And uh, I had a little depression too. So obviously, because I didn't apply, I went and I took uh, immigration classes for French uh, language and stuff. So 
And uh, that being said, I thought I failed because it was my dream to become a designer. Mm-hmm. But shortly after, at the end of the same year, I took a makeup class because I had to do something artistic. Because I was doing um, ballroom dancing in Russia professionally from six years old until 19, until I moved to Canada, I couldn't, I was doing it professionally and I couldn't find a partner in Canada because um, at that age, you need to find somebody who is as professional as you or higher. I wouldn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop ballroom dancing at the same time too. So that whole depression that I had and I couldn't do anything artsy. So I didn't know that I couldn't apply to be an artistic des- um, interior designer. So the makeup and and shortly after eyelash class was like very natural for me to put my artistic soul in it. Yeah. That being said, I didn't become a designer. Biggest failure of my life that, I mean, I still regret. But you know what? If I did that designer thing, I wouldn't do what I do today. I wouldn't be in the lash industry. And then I find, I mean, the community is so big, the lash community. The industry is developing so fast. I couldn't be happier right now. I have a salon right now. I have my own salon. So it's something that I think every little girl dreams of, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I'm actually now, I kind of regret that I didn't go to school to become a designer. Because after that, I went to um, university and I studied HR. It's just, I got so disappointed I couldn't apply. I thought I was so bad, you know? Yeah. So I had to go study something else. At the same time as I took my makeup class, you know, but I had to have a degree, you know, to, to mm-hmm. you know, to have something able to just in case being a newcomer to Canada, you know? Yeah. So uh, that was my biggest failure, but uh, at the end, actually worked out so perfectly. And the, you know, my husband actually also, uh, he's very artistic. So um, he's a fashion photographer, he's a hairdresser, and he's an artist too in general. And uh Strangely enough, he always wanted to be a designer too, that it didn't work out as well for some reasons. Mm-hmm. But, so I hope that my daughter, I'm having a girl, so I hope that she'll take the artistic parts from us and she'll become a designer now. So <laughs> anyways, so I think everything happens for a reason, all the failures and uh, definitely failures are, we, it's, it's up to you how you take those failures. And especially if you're in the business and you're opening a business and any career, failure should be taken as the, it's actually a helping part for you to become better. You don't take them as, you know, I failed, I'm the worst and that's it. I don't want to do anything else. You, you take this opportunity, you take this failure to become better, to do something else, you know? Right. But everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So, um... I want to also ask if you have a motto or just a quote that you love. Um, quote. Well, I kind of have, okay, look, um, I have a work related and I have a life related kind of thing. So mm-hmm. for work related, I mean, again, if we apply to the last industry, it's whatever I talked about for the past 30 minutes. Um, I like to say, well, there's a saying, I like to say that. There's a saying, uh, talent is given and the greatness is earned. Mm-hmm. So you can be the most talented artist, you know, or like a, in any industry, but 
if you don't work hard, if you are too much of an artist and you're too, uh, you know, oh, I feel like working today, but I'm great. I'm the, you could be the best in the city. But if you don't work hard, nothing's going to come to you. So the reason why a lot of artists fail, they have depressions or they just don't get anywhere because they don't work hard enough. You need to work hard enough. Your greatness, your success, it it can only be earned. It cannot just come just because you're talented. Right. So that's what I can say. The quote for the work, um, you know, uh, really work related and in general in life, but you can also apply it in work. Um, is um, it's not a quote. It's just it's a concept of uh, a glass half full mm. instead of glass half empty. Definitely, it's hard for people that see the glass half empty to become glass half full. It's how you are. But being a pessimist in in your everyday life and in your work life, there's <laughs> you can't get anywhere if you're gonna. Take every little thing that happens to you and take it negatively, you know, as a glass half empty. Right. Take it as a glass half full. Like I said, even earlier, it's all connected at the end. Any failures. Yes, you can cry about it and like, you know, complain and uh, moan about it for the longest time because nothing worked. Like, let's say, you know, whatever happened in my salon when the girl quit. So... Mm-hmm. I can sit there and still be like, well, I can't believe, I can't believe. No, you grow stronger. And then, you know, they they also say on the positive side um, of the glass half full is that glass, uh, are you sure it's only half full? It can be half full with water, but the other half is full of air. So air and water, it's all we need in life. Mm-hmm. So you actually can take that glass as half full. Yes, there could be some negative things in that glass, but you take those things as a lesson for you and you apply those failures to become better for you. There's no other way. Because uh, look, um, any career, last career, let's apply it to the last industry, obviously. Um, girls that, uh, for example... You know, they do clients every day. And there's a client who came and she did, she did her lashes and then she's she called back after and she's, she hates them or like she got a reaction, but she's complaining that she got an infection or something like this, you know, that lack of knowledge for clients. Right. And then something like that, it can ruin your day, obviously, right? <laughs> when they start uh, being negative about it, you can take that and just throw it away. Be more positive about it. It, it could always be worse. Um, take it as a glass half full. Uh, take those negative things and apply them towards your better, better skills in the future. Whatever didn't work with that client, you pay that attention to your next client or you, know, you do research about this issue, whatever happens. And um, if it's something on a personal level that happens with clients, you, you, you just ignore it. It could always be worse. Just remember about it. So um, I think there's no other way to go in the, in the work, in work life in general. And in general in life, you have to take your glasses half, half full always. Because life is so short. Yeah. Um, you, you know, at the end of the day, just, just, just think about it. At the end of the day, Something happened to you. I don't know. You got in a car accident on the way to work, whatever. Something like that. Or there was traffic on the way to work. You come and you complain the whole day. Yes. Okay. You got into a car accident. Yes, it's bad. 
uh, yes, it has to be sent to repair. Number one, we all have insurances, right? Insurances, they take care of us. Even if you have to pay, okay, you have to pay. Yes, it's a disaster in your, in your pocket, but it could always be, it, it, could, it could be worse. Absolutely. You could be injured. Or even if you are injured, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have died. And at the end of the day, you know, like in general, at the end of life, those little things, they don't matter at all. There's, there's such little things that they don't matter at the end. It always could be worse. So you take that negative part, you throw it away, just breathe three times deep and continue. And also um, they say that if you have an issue, you know, and you can get over it, you, you have to walk outside. You have to go walk in the evening outside to breathe some air, breathe uh, deep, and actually smile. They say it's actually proven that if you smile and looking uh, uh, by looking at yourself um, at yourself in the mirror, it actually gets easier after. So you take one step at a time, take glass as, as half full, because at the end, it's actually full because it's air and water. And um, yeah, and you keep moving forward. At the end, any career, uh, it's not actually, it's, uh, I'm going to quote it. It's that woman, the Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook. She said that um, a career, it's uh, not, it's not a ladder. You know, it's not how they say you go up and up and up. It's like a jungle. It goes up and down. You can't have always going up. We all have ups and downs in our lives. Same in business too. But you cannot take it so, not seriously, but so dramatically. You can't avoid this. But because if you went down, for sure you're going to go up next time. Because yeah. you take, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's how I like to live. And uh, yes, I have my moments too. But I always have this conversation in my head, you know, that helps me look forward. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. And any relevant links to this episode will be in the show notes, of course, as always. I appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. And I'll be back very soon with the next episode.